0: Well, I uh, I love that song. I don't know if you've if you've uh, heard that song in a while, but I believe that song came out in around 1996 or so. And I was in college at the time at Miami University in Ohio, and I remember we would sit sit around uh, night, you know, having a good time, and, and we'd be playing music, and that song would come on and. I would just sing out that song, you know, I I was up here on the front row just having a blast singing away, but at that time in college, I remember thinking, man, if I had a million dollars, I'd be rich, I thought, if I had a hundred dollars, you know, like when you're in college, it's like, so a million, it was just this crazy number at the time, it's funny how 13 years changes so much, now living in Washington, D.C., and I think, If I had a million dollars, like, that wouldn't even buy me a two-bedroom place in Clarendon. You you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's nothing. Um, Well, it's funny because um, we're going to be talking about uh, finding financial peace today. And here's the really cool thing about what we're going to be talking about today. You don't need a million dollars to find financial peace. You might think that you do, but you actually don't. Because I don't know how many of us in this room are just going to happen upon a million dollars pretty soon, but it's probably not that many of us. So that's good news that we don't need that much money to achieve financial peace. Um, What we do need to find financial peace is actually found right here in the Bible. So what we're going to look at today is what does the Bible say about money and how to achieve financial peace. Now, I just want to put some of you guys at ease um, whenever we say what the Bible says about money, you can just sense in the room there's like tension. And everyone, you know, like a few people grabbed for their wallets. In first service, we had one guy ran straight out the back doors when I said Bible and money. He t- I'm, I'm just kidding. He didn't really do that. But that's the feeling we get. And you guys are thinking... Okay, so something about financial peace, like he's going to work in the tithing thing. You know, we're going to talk about that, and you've got to give and all this stuff, and I'm going to walk out of here feeling guilty or condemned. You know, I just got I want to put you totally at ease, okay? We're not talking about tithing today. We're not talking about giving. We're not, we're not going to talk about that at all, okay? So what I want everyone to do is just take a deep breath. Try this with me. <sighs> okay? It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We're not going to deal with that subject. In fact, here's a little trivia for you, just you know, in case you are wondering. um, Neither John nor I have any clue what anyone at Grace gives financially. We don't know how much you give. We don't know whether you give at all. We have no clue. It's kind of one of the founding principles of this church. In fact, there's only one person on staff who even has a clue, and that's the person who has to keep our finances. So if I happen to make eye contact with you just now, Uh, Don't freak out I I, it wasn't like I wasn't trying to send you a message, you know, I have no idea It's just coincidence. I'm just trying to make you feel loved, you know, here we are. So um, Anyway, I do have to give you a warning though about this morning and here's my warning Okay, what we are going to learn today from the Bible about how to find financial peace This is not going to be a particularly glamorous message it's not going to be this like exciting, unbelievable. This is the next new thing, man. Oh, this is crazy. Wow, I never knew this. There's this special fund that you can put your money in, and it's great. It's, it's not going to go like that today. Here's the warning for you. This, this actually could ver- be on the verge of kind of a little bit like, "Well, duh, okay? I want you, I want you to know something, okay? That's okay. We're talking about timeless truth, okay that comes straight. From God's word, the Bible. Look what Jesus says in John 8, 32. He says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. My hope and prayer this morning is that for some of us, even though this isn't going to be earth shattering, that the truth about what God teaches about finances is going to set some of us free this morning. That's my hope. But let's pray before we start. Father God, we just thank you for this morning. I pray for everyone here, uh, Lord, and uh, I just pray you'd help us to, to uh, learn what you talk about money. And um, uh, Father, uh, we'll come from all different places financially. Uh, many of us just hearing the word finances or money, already we're, we're on edge. We're, we're feeling overwhelmed, God. And I just pray, Lord, that you would just kind of calm us down, that you'd inspire us today, and that you'd give us hope and, uh, and a game plan through your word in Christ's name. All right, before we look at what the Bible says about how to find financial peace, uh, the first thing I believe we have to do is we have to recognize what is just going on all the time in our culture today, okay? Living in the United States of America in the year 2009, we have to realize that we're being bombarded with messages all the time, okay? And there are two messages that just by just by waking up in the morning and just going about your day, you're getting nailed with this stuff. And, we, and it's, again, this isn't going to totally surprise you, but you've got to be aware that it's happening and it impacts you. So I really want you, you may not like to fill in the blanks you know, every week, I want you to do it this week. Because we've got to remember these two. These are important. And I think following along will help you. So here's the first message that we're constantly hearing. It's this. You need it. You need it. Companies in America today spend billions and billions of dollars basically with the whole purpose of trying to convince you that you need whatever it is they're selling. That's the bottom line. Okay, that is essentially the entire purpose of a marketing department and of an advertising department, right? I mean, here's a company, they've come up with this great product they think is great, or this service that they think is wonderful, and they say, okay, marketing, okay, advertising, you guys figure out how to make people realize that they need this thing, they can't live without it, they've got to go get this thing, right? I mean, that's the whole purpose for marketing and advertising. I'm a business guy, this stuff makes sense to me, okay? Now, if you're here this morning and you work in marketing or advertising, I'm not like I'm not saying you're an evil person or that the industry is bad because here's the reality, okay? Companies here make all kinds of products and services that we that are great for our lives that benefit us, right? And so if you're here today and you're one of those creative people and you're in marketing or advertising, God bless you okay? There's nothing wrong with that, but here's the deal. When you put all of those messages together, not just one or two, when you put all of those messages together, there's this, it's a pervasive mindset that takes over that we need this thing. And let me tell you, you might think, well, this isn't impacting me. Like, I I see advertisements and I get all this stuff, but it it doesn't affect me, okay? You got to realize, if this stuff didn't work, companies would just shut down all their advertising and their marketing campaigns, right? They would just they would stop doing it. Why spend billions of dollars doing something that isn't isn't translating in anything? They've done their research and they know for a fact that this stuff works. Harvard University did a study. This is fascinating to me. They found I'm not going to give you a lot of statistics or numbers today, but I'll give you this one. Harvard University found that for every additional hour a week of television that we watch, for every additional hour a week of TV that we watch, we will spend an average of 200 additional dollars a year at the store. Every hour a week, we'll spend an additional $200 a year at the store. The reality is this stuff, it has an effect on us. You know, as I was putting this message together, what I realized was it started finally I had like a moment of clarity where I realized all this time for all these years why I cannot stand shopping. Is anyone out there you just can't stand you just hate to shop. It just drives you crazy. Okay? For me, like the ultimate is a shopping mall. I ugh I cannot that's like don't ever my wife knows, don't ever take me to the mall. Okay. It's a funny thing too because I'm a pretty high energy guy. Like I have a pretty high motor. I, I, I run you know all day long. Uh, we will walk, like, if she can actually drag me to the mall for something, we will walk down to the mall. And I don't know what it is about, like, the front door of the mall, any entrance to the mall, anywhere you go in. You know, you guys know, like, Superman and the kryptonite thing? Yeah. Okay. So I walk in, and it's unbelievable. I cross, like, the, the first doorway, and something happens to my body. And I'm like, ah! And, and I just, I start hyperventilating, you know? And, you know, they put the chairs in the mall for guys like me. I'm I'm like barely, I'm staggering, you know, I'm just trying to get down to a chair so I I can get myself back together. And I've never been able to fully understand what is it about the shopping mall and about the shopping experience that I just can't stand. What is it? And then I realized something thinking about this whole idea of companies convincing us that we need this, that we need their stuff, right? The mall is like the prototypical example. You walk down, and there's hundreds of stores, and they're all basically selling the same kind of stuff, but they're trying to tell you that you need it. And so I'm walking down, and I'm, I'm going, and like I was, you guys got to understand, I was perfectly happy when I woke up that morning. I didn't need anything. I got dressed just fine. I was in a good mood, right? I walk in the mall. I'm like hyperventilating. I'm sweating. And as I walk down, I look and like, you know, there, there's the J Crew store. And I'm realizing, like, look at this, man. Look at this outfit. This is, this is ridiculous. Look what I'm wearing. You know, I mean, this is what happens, right? Don't you? You're like, oh, man, I'm so out of trend. You know, I, I gotta get the, the style thing. I gotta. And I'm walking down, I'm like, I'm so uncool, you know? Gosh, I need that stuff. I need that stuff. And then I, I continue down a little bit further, you know? And, and I see, like, some digital cameras and a display. And I'm like, man, our digital camera, that's so outdated, you know? Like, we can get, like, twice as many megapixels, and the screen's bigger, and it's faster. And, like, we got to get that. Like, I mean, our camera works just fine. But now I need this other one, right? And, and don't even get me started when we get to, like, the big screen TV area, Okay. <laughs> I mean, you guys know, today's one of the greatest Sundays of the year. It's NFL football season, and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio, okay? Die hard, Cincinnati Bengals fan, I know, I know. So, you know. You can save the comments, okay? I can't get to the games because I'm here on Sundays, okay? And the next best thing I realize once I'm in the ball, once I'm there and I see the 72-inch flat screen HDTV, I realize that is what I need. I deserve, my team needs me, I got to be in front of that screen like I'm at the game. And so what I've realized, why I can't stand them all, here, here's the deal. See, for some of you guys, you're like, I love them all, you know, because what I do is I just reach into my wallet when I see all that stuff, and I just pull out a Capital One or whatever it is, and I just make the payment, and we bring home the TV, and it's all good. Well, here's the problem with me. I am a dork, Okay. I was a business major, accounting and finance, and I've been trained in this mentality. I got to make my money go as far as I can. So I see all this stuff, and I'm thinking, we really can't, you know, swing that. It's not going to happen, you know. And so I keep all the money. I, I walk out of the mall. I'm like, I, res, I resist everything, okay? But it messes with me. And so I get out of the mall, and I'm like depressed for days, man. I'm like, I mean, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't give in. I walked out. But I'm just like, go. Life sucks, you know, like, I don't have anything I need, look at this outfit, you know, like, and this is what malls do to me. You know, now, again, I'm not saying that malls are evil, okay, I'm really not saying, I'm not saying that, that we need to avoid the mall, really, and I'm not saying that, that all the marketing, all this, I, I think it's got its place, but here's what you have to understand, the Bible says that knowledge is what? Power. Okay? We have to be aware that it's going on. It's kind of like if you think you're just floating in a lake, it's actually a river. There's a current. It's taking you somewhere. And if you don't realize and you stop and hold on and have a little discipline, guess what? You're going right over Niagara Falls before you know it, right? I mean, that's just the reality of what's going on. So that's the first message. You need it. Here's the second message that we're just getting bombarded with and we internalize. You need it now. <laughs> You need it right now. And what I love about America today, here's what I just think is so great. In America today, the store, once they brought you in and they've convinced, you know, they've convinced me that I need that flat screen TV, and I say, well, I, I can't afford it, they are so generous. I mean, they will go out of their way bending over backwards to make sure I can take the TV home today. They will even hook me up with their very own store credit card and say, don't even worry about it for a while. You know, it's, it's unbelievable how, I mean, th- these are Christ like organizations. You know, they're just so giving. Um, I was, I don't know if you guys get the, uh, the Sunday Washington Post, but we get it delivered at our house. And, um, and I was flipping through, this was last weekend, Labor Day weekend. And I just, you know, there's so many of these. What's amazing to me is there's so many of these now that instead of just the advertisements coming in the Sunday, Edition, they actually just send all the ads on Saturday because it's so, you know, it's crazy. So anyway, I was flipping through, and, and there's tons of stuff like this. So this is JCPenney, and, uh, and they're doing, like, a big blowout furniture and mattress sale. This was, sorry, you can't. This is outdated. They're, the sale's over, okay? So just stay with me, okay? It's just an example, okay? Um, so they got, like, some beautiful couches here, and, you know, they're dialing in football season. Like, they got the recliners, you know? They're like, come on. You got your football. Get your recliner. Well, right here on the front. It says, and this is beautiful, you need it right now. You need it, this is great, and you can get it right now. Listen, no payments, no interest until January 1st, 2011. Then you open up this bad boy, and they got all, you can furnish your whole house, your dining room, your bedroom. you got everything you need right here. And again, right here at the top, in this big call out it says no payments, no interest until January 1st, 2011. And then if you flip to the back, just in case you happen to miss it, we will help you out right here. No payments, no interest until January 1st, 2011. And this is just the way that companies operate today, right? I mean, we see this on just about every advertisement. There's some sort of special, hey, don't worry about it. You can't afford it. Buy it now and pay for it later. Right? That's just the mindset that we're in. 90 days, same as cash. What's so interesting about that is that financial expert uh, Dave Ramsey, the studies that he's done, he has found that those 90 days, same as cash type contracts, where you, know, you, you walk into the store and you don't have it there, but you can, you can just pay later, uh, 88% of those type of arrangements... of them aren't paid off. And 88% of those things translate into payments at the end of whatever that time period was, starting at 24% interest on average. 24%. You see, it's no wonder that all these companies are offering promotions like this. This is actually the most profitable sector of many companies these days. Did you guys know that? What's incredible to me is if you go to a car dealership and you pay for a car and you pay for it in cash, you write a check, you, just, you pay for it right there. Okay? If you do that, the car company makes almost nothing. Like in a percentage term, their margin is basically zero. They make like maybe 100 bucks or something on the car. It's crazy. Okay? But if you walk down to their financing department and you finance that thing, that is where they're making crazy amounts of money and so companies love this part of their strategy is to try and get you to say hey you know you just you can put it on the car jc penny card it's all good buy it now pay for it later what's interesting then is what's happened to us as a generation is that this has become the norm for us right i mean payments are just kind of built into this is what reality is like am i right you're just going to have payments i mean if you want to have a car you're going to have a car payment Right? If you're going to be able to furnish stuff and all that, like when you're moving and you, get, you start to move out on your own and do all that stuff, you're going to have a credit card payment. You're going to have student loan payments. You know, you're going to have these payments. You're going to have some debt. What's interesting is if we think about what happened with, say, two generations earlier with our grandparents. See, they made payments too, didn't they? But their payments looked a little different. Their payments kind of looked something a little bit more like this. And you might have heard stories. You might have been driven nuts by your parents or your grandparents telling you stories about how they had to save up and they didn't have this and they didn't have that. You know what I'm saying? And every month, they would come along and they would take some money out of their paycheck and they would put it right into the piggy bank. And every month, as they were gearing up for their brand new couch that they wanted from JCPenney or that brand new car that they wanted or whatever it was, they would save and save and every month they'd make a payment until finally, the day would come When they'd have enough, and they'd go down to the store, and they'd buy that thing, right? Here's the super cool thing about that, for for that generation. When they made their final payment, they got a brand new thing, whatever that thing was, right? If it was a car, they got the leather smell, and they were just driving, and they were excited. They had a brand new thing that was going to last them for a long time. It's funny to think about us today. So, we make payments, right? But... We make payments in a whole different way. We've already got the thing, and so we're making payments. By the time we get to our last payment on that thing, we can't even find the thing. It's like in our basement somewhere, you know? Or we sold that thing on Craigslist like a year and a half ago or on eBay, you know? Like, that was four versions ago. You know, we've upgraded. Like, we're, you know, okay, got the first product paid for. Now we got three more versions to pay off. I mean, this is just kind of the way of of thinking and What I'm here to tell you is that whether you want to fully believe it or not, the reality is that we buy in. We internalize this idea. You need it. You need it right now. You deserve it. Go out and get it. Pay for it later. And when we do this, we buy into this kind of wrong way of thinking. We completely miss the biblical truth. The most important biblical principle I believe that God lay, lays out for us in the Bible is don't spend what you don't have, okay? Don't spend what you don't have. Yes, you're hearing me right. I told you this was going to be like sexy, okay? This is not. This is very boring in a sense. And, and I just have to clear something up for you guys. This is worth, worth saying. If you have a credit card and it has a $10,000 limit on it, you don't have that, okay? That's not what you don't have, that $10,000, okay? So when I say don't spend what you don't have, I'm not talking about like, oh, but I got my $10,000. No, no, no. You don't have that. Visa has that, okay? That's theirs. That's not yours, okay? I want to give you uh, a Bible verse, Proverbs 21, five. For me, this is my life verse when it comes to finances. If I had to encourage you to memorize one verse of Scripture that I think would, be, would serve you the best financially, this would be the one that I would pick for you. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. What this uh, verse illustrates for me is there are essentially two options before us when we think about how how can I kind of better my life a little bit? How can I increase my standard of living? Okay? One thing we have in common is no matter where we are in life, we all want to do better, right? We all, want to, we all just want to get a little bit more. We want to do a little bit better, and that's totally fine. It's kind of the way we're wired. So there's basically two ways to get there, either the way of good planning and hard work or the way of the hasty shortcut. And I would be willing to say that this is the good planning and the hard work way, and this, no payments, no interest until 2011, This little guy right here, just a little simple swipe that you can do. This is kind of the way of the hasty shortcut. You see, one is very fast. They can make this happen for you. They can process this. You can get your leather couch like in, what, 10 minutes, right? One is fast. Oh, man. One is so slow. One brings peace. One brings, whoa, I mean, and you're here this morning, and if you're like me, you can think of a whoa moment where you're just like, what was I thinking? Where even is that thing anymore that I'm still paying for, right? So um, I got to tell you, this verse, um, it's extremely personal, personal to me. Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Um, I, You guys, I'm like a hasty shortcut junkie. I got to just confess, I, and, and I think I'm kind of a poster child for this generation a little bit because I know in the back of my mind, yeah, you can save up and invest and be disciplined and, you know, you put your money into the market and over time it'll do okay and you'll have enough, but come on, this is 2009. We're looking for new and creative and fun, and that's me, right? I'm like, I'm out there, and I'm looking at those infomercials, you know, and I'm, I'm looking for what's the next thing, what's the new thing, what can help me beat the market, what can help me get ahead faster, what can help me build my portfolio better, right? And we're looking at all this stuff. You guys know something? I When I uh, first got out of college and I started work, I was doing work in Cincinnati doing business consulting, and I was making – uh, more money than I think I, I deserved to make at the time, and so um, I, I, you know I, was, I had some extra cash, and so I was like i 'm going to see what I can do with this money and make it go somewhere. This was 1999, and so um, if you guys remember, uh, the stock market was just going crazy dot com boom right and the coolest thing happened through the internet you didn 't have to go through a stockbroker; you could just buy straight online, and that was awesome and so I just said, you know what, we're going to start doing that. I was buying up dot com, startups, I built my portfolio, I was putting cash down. I lost my shorts doing that. I mean, and here's the reality. At the time, I was like, oh, this is good, it's a stock market, it's a good investment. I was totally in the hasty shortcut. I'm like, man, these people are making like 210% returns in three months with this internet startup. You know, that's what I was thinking. And, man, I lost my shorts. And then, you think I'd learn a good lesson? So that kind of lasted me for a while. But then, you know, with this whole real estate boom that happened, like 2002, 2003, 2004, man, I'm like, real estate, this is it, this is this is the way, you know, forget this good planning and hard work, let's just find something. So I had a buddy in real estate out in Phoenix, and, and he's like, man, the market's going nuts, and you can get in and get out and, like, make a bunch of money, and I'll facilitate the deal. I was locked and loaded, man. I was ready to buy four houses. My, thank God for my wife. Whew. So anyway, uh, um, anyway. Husbands, listen to your wives. Um, anyway, so, man, got into a whole mess of trouble if you had heard anything about the real estate market in Phoenix in the past few years. So we have put that one behind us. It's another one of our hasty shortcuts that's buried in the ground. But, uh, you know, the thing is, I, this is just me. And I think for a lot of us, um, we have to just confess a little bit that we want the hasty shortcut. We really don't want the boring, slow, and steady wins of the race. We're looking for that next best thing. And the Bible says, don't do that. That's going to lead you straight to poverty. And it's proven true in my life. Now, you might be here, and you might be thinking, cool. So the takeaway in this message is that Derek's an idiot when it comes to money. Um, and that might be one of the takeaways for you, and that's fine. But um, there's more to this message than that. You see, I believe that for many of us, um, you know, we haven't done something maybe as stupid as I have. Okay? You're... You, you you haven't kind of lost your shorts a bunch of times on some on some kind of ridiculous stuff but maybe your hasty shortcut has just been something that is a little smaller and a little easier and a little bit more subtle because it's just it just takes a little swipe you know it's just so easy and soon you're just going to be able to wave it you know you won't even need to swipe it and what happens to us i think a lot of times is that that, that just becomes That just becomes the way that we operate. If we we feel like we need something now, we just go out and get it. And what you might find is that over time, now you're saddled with a bunch of debt because it was much easier to just kind of take the shortcut, not save up for it. Let's Let's just get it now. I'm here to tell you this morning that if you are here and you are in debt, it is not God's will for you to stay that way. And so what we're going to talk about here in a little bit is, is how we are going to get through that. So if you're here and you're like, man, I am up to my eyeballs in debt. I don't even know where to get started. Just hang tight for a second. We're going to get to a plan for that. But uh, what I want to say about debt is, is found in Proverbs 22.7. God is very clear about this. He says, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave." to the lender. Here's the reality. When you borrow money from someone, when you owe somebody money, they have power over you. Now, it might be an arm's length, it might be, you know, it might be some organization that's thousands of miles away. You might be making all your payments and you're thinking, "What's the big deal?" I actually had a, a, a buddy in college when I was uh, living in a fraternity in, at uh, miami university, and my buddy was he got into gambling and he got, he started small and then he got himself a bookie and he was really into sports gambling and it got to the point where like he ha, you know would win some and then he would lose some and like he was he owed so much money to his bookie that he actually was starting to get threatened. You know those kind of like you hear about those stories like i 'm going to break your legs i 'm going to send over. So-and-so to, you know, like pay you a little visit and make sure you're doing okay. I mean, he was getting that kind of stuff. And here's just the sick thing about college for some of us, man. I was like so, like, just lost in college. Like, I thought that was hilarious. You know what I mean? Like, I was just like, oh, he's such an idiot. Like, well, this is, I can't wait for this guy to show up. You know, like, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but anyway, that's a, that's a total side. You, <laughs> the reality is the, the lender always has power over you. They always have control over you. And you might be hearing, you're saying, I don't, need, I don't have a bookie calling me. I don't have someone, like, about to take my house or my car. Maybe some of you, you've experienced that. But maybe for a lot of you, you're like, I can manage this stuff, okay? It's not a big deal. It's a couple payments. I pay it every month, okay? What's the big deal? Well, here's what I think God is trying to communicate to us and why he's so clear. The borrower is slave to the lender. You see, what it does, even if we can manage it, is debt impacts our ability to serve God. Let me say that again. It impacts our ability to serve God. It doesn't impact our willingness to serve God. It's our ability. It doesn't impact our desire to serve God. It impacts our ability to serve God. So it goes something like this. Maybe you've been coming to Grace for a little while, and as you've been coming, you've started to hear about some of the cool stuff that, that goes on here and some of the, the things that we're we're doing from a missions perspective. And so, you know, maybe you heard you've heard about this carpenter shelter thing and the serving breakfast, and and you thought, man, that's a that's a cool thing. Or maybe you heard about Mexico and, and wanting to support that cause, or maybe at work your workplace you had a coworker who said, I'm doing an AIDS walk or a cancer bike race, or you know, and what happens? Okay, for most of us. Our heart, when we hear this, our heart says, Yes. Let's support that. You know, we feel like God said, Yeah. But our visa bill says, No. Now, you gotta pay me first. You know, maybe maybe you you've heard about this trip, right, where we had 25 people that just came back from Mexico, 25 folks from Grace. We just got done building a school, and we we're going down to Mexico doing all sorts of cool stuff down there for for a group of people who are really impoverished. And maybe you're saying, that's so cool. Maybe you've even talked to someone who's come back and you thought, I'd love to go on that trip. I feel like God wants me to go on that trip. Your heart says yes. But your master card says, no, baby, no. You're paying me first. See, the reality is that when you are struggling. In debt, when you're struggling with making more obligations than you really can manage, it impacts your ability to be freed up and to serve God. Jesus tells us in Matthew 6 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. See, the reason that God is so clear on this principle about debt is what God wants us to realize is that if we are following Him, He wants us to be free to follow Him and respond to Him in whatever way He directs us. So when we feel our hearts saying yes, when we feel like God's leading us to give and to serve and to love on someone and to do something and to bless somebody, God wants He doesn't want us to be enslaved to a bunch of payments, to a bunch of debt. right? God wants us to be freed up to be able to serve Him fully. If you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus Christ and you are trying to do your best to follow after God, God doesn't want you enslaved to anything that would stop you from following Him. That's the bottom line. So, how do we do this? Okay, This is basically, there's a couple different camps of us who are represented here. There's a camp that's like, I am so... I. I I can't even, th- the hole is so deep, I can't, I don't even know how to dig myself out. I can't even think of how to start. And then there's another camp who is like, well, I just, I'm just so, when it comes to finances, I'm so clueless, I'm so intimidated. I don't know, I've got, it's manageable, but I'd like to get free. How the heck do I do this? Well, I think the game plan is found right here in Proverbs, Proverbs 21.5. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. I believe there's two basic things that the Bible teaches us. There's two basic ways for us to achieve financial peace, and they're found right here in Proverbs 21.5. And I'll give you a little hint. One of those isn't hasty shortcuts, okay? There's two things, and here they are. For us to achieve financial peace, what God tells us through his word is we need a good plan, and hard work and that's just the reality. I wish I could stand here and tell you that we've got this super quick fix. It's going to be awesome. We'll do it in 3 days and it'll be you'll be good to go. It doesn't work like that. Good planning and hard work. So make a plan and work your plan. Now. Many of you are thinking, "Okay, great. All right, I've tried to do the plan before." When it comes to finances, I've gotten to the point where I've realized, you know, I need to put together that dreaded B word. You know what that word is? Budget. Yeah, ugh, it's, a ter- it's a terrible word right? I got to put together the budget, and I've tried the budget, and, you know, I put it together for a month, and then it, we blew the budget out of the water, and the budget doesn't work, and we never stick to the budget, and we fight about the budget. It doesn't work. The budget is terrible, and it just stresses me out, or stresses us out, right? I mean, we've tried to execute a plan. We've tried to work the plan, so what's any different from this message? Like, what are you going to do to help, okay? Well, I am so excited to be sharing with you this morning a tool that, uh, that we stumbled on here at Grace uh, about a year ago. And if you're familiar with a guy named Dave Ramsey, uh, he is, uh, he's a teacher of personal finance. And um, he's also a Christian, and he put together the basic biblical principles that will help you achieve financial peace. And so um, it was actually a couple right here at Grace that came to me uh, about a year ago, or maybe a little less, and they were so excited because they had, they had stumbled upon this thing called Financial Peace University, and they were crazy in debt, and they were working their way through it. to changed their life, changed their marriage. And so they introduced it to me, and we started, John and I started taking a look at the materials, and we actually pulled together a pilot, uh, a pilot group. We had about 16 people that went through the class. Some of them are nodding their heads at me right now. And, um, and we went through this thing together. And here's what makes the difference, Okay. You know that if you've ever tried to do this and you've gotten discouraged and failed, it's because somewhere in there it's like, man, this is just hard, and it's hard to stick with it, and it's hard to understand. Well, here's the thing. This is what this this course brings. It's a 13-week course course and you do it in small groups and you listen to the teachings of this guy dave ramsey who is just a brilliant teacher and he boils down financial concepts in ways you really understand and and find very humorous it's, it's an incredible course but then once you're like making your plan and you're using some of the tools and the templates that he gives you and you start to get discouraged you're in a small group setting so what happens is Everyone, like, has these venting sessions, like, oh, this is hard. I blew my budget out of the water. Like, oh, this is terrible. You know, How did you do? And, you know, we're all screaming and yelling, and it's getting frustrated. But but because we're all there, you know, misery loves company, so we're kind of, you, you work through it. And you push through that point of failure, and you start to achieve success. You guys, this is so cool. So the 10 households that were represented in this pilot group, okay, we came in with, with debt, we came in with all kinds of stuff, and no one really had a, you know, I mean, some of us had, thought we had a clue what we were doing financially, but, you know, we were just kind of doing our best. Well, we brought in a bunch of stuff, and what we found through the, through the three months of the course is that the 10 households we had represented decreased debt by a total of $10,000 over three months and increased savings by $12,000. And I'm not, you know, this was just an average sampling from Grace Community Church. Nothing special, no big salaries, nothing like that. Absolutely fantastic. And so um, we are uh, offering this course uh, to everyone here at Grace who would like to take a shot at it. It's 13 weeks long. It kicks off not this Thursday night, but the following Thursday night. And um, before we, we uh, dismiss you guys, and, and if you want to sign up, you can do that in the back. Before we do that, I want to ask uh, Dennis and Nancy. Where are, where are you sitting in this service? Okay. Dennis and Nancy, they're the, the two that brought it, um, brought it to, to our attention, and their story is super cool. And so I've asked them to come up and just share just very briefly about um, their testimony. So if you give them a, a warm welcome, that'd be great.
1: Hi, everyone. My name is Dennis, and this is my wife, Nancy. Um, we've been married for a little over two years now, and I've been going to grace a little over four. I work at the International Monetary Fund, and Nancy works in the Finance Department of uh, Exo Communications at, in Herndon. Uh, we decided to read out our testimonies so that we don't ramble and stick to the point. <laughs> so, well, reality hit me when I first sat down to reconcile a financial situation. I suddenly realized that between car loans, student loans, and credit cards, we were around $75,000 in debt. Here I was, never ever late on my credit cards or paid for a house in India where I'm from, and my only debt after coming to the U.S. was a car loan. I had to digest the fact that we had to pay off all this debt. It made me sick, and needless to say, had a strain on our relationship. Now, When we were dating, Nancy was forthcoming and truthful, and had told me all about her debt before we got married. I was truly in love with Nancy, and it took a lot of patience, prayer, and wrestling with God for confirmation that Nancy was the one for me and vice versa. But God gave us both peace and confirmation. There was no doubt in our minds that we had God's approval. But as life happened, we had to face the fact that the dead monster was not going anywhere and had moved in with us And to be part of a marriage. At least I had no clue on how to work this thing out. I felt like what my brother-in-law used to say, when I was single, my pockets used to jingle. (laughs) now now Nancy had been talking to me about this guy called Dave Ramsey some financial guy who seemed to have the key to success I was like this is another one of those get rich quick guys but Nancy had previously gone to the financial peace university class by Dave Ramsey a few years ago and understood what needed to be done to find financial peace
2: hi I've always been overwhelmed with debt, and debt is the only thing I was good at. I had taken Financial Peace University back in 2005, but didn't stay on track, mostly because I didn't have the discipline or accountability in place to be successful. When I got married to Dennis, I knew that we were no longer two, but one and what yours is mine and what mine is yours. And yes, that means bringing into our marriage the majority of the debt. Since then, not a day went by that I felt so guilty that I had brought this large amount of debt into our marriage. I could see that I added a lot of stress to Dennis due to my debt and my ignorance of money management. I was scared that this would cause a strain in our marriage because in the back of my mind, I knew the number one cause of divorce in America is money fights, and I was terrified to be the cause of such a thing. Deep in my heart and in my prayers, I asked God to bring unity in our marriage and help us reach an agreement to manage our finances. During the summer of our first year of marriage, while on my commute home, I bumped into the Dave Ramsey show on the radio. When I got home that evening, I immediately went for the search of my financial peace university materials, stored in some box, pulled them out, and dusted them off. It didn't take long for me to be a fan of D. Ramsey again, but this time I was going to fully dedicate myself to do all I can to get rid of this debt and do, do my part to bring, bring peace in this marriage. The question now was, how do I get Dennis on board? I really wanted him to be on the D. Ramsey plan because I knew it was based on biblical principles and knew 100% this is the way to go. I tried to get him on board in every way possible, but the name Dave Ramsey only annoyed Dennis.
1: <laughs> All I heard Nancy say was Dave Ramsey said this, Dave Ramsey said that, and to tell, you, to tell you the truth, I was tired of hearing that. I really became annoyed with this Dave Ramsey guy.
2: <laughs>
1: but since Nancy talked so highly about him, I told myself, let me check this guy out. So I started listening to him on radio and a lot of what he said was start- suddenly started making sense. I started reading the book Nancy had given me, the total money makeover, and soon after uh, started paying off our credit cards. We got down from around 16 credit cards to 10, and I finally felt happy about it. But all this time, we did not have a budget, and I was still trying to figure out where our paychecks were going. I knew the principles, but didn't have a plan.
2: It wasn't until we kept busting our so-called budget every time that he finally gave in. So he says, even though we were clearing off some debt, I knew he was still not completely on the plan and not as intense as I, I was, and this bothered me. I kept praying and searching for financial peace classes in the local churches. When I finally found one in a nearby church, I signed both of us up and I had Dennis come with me.
1: I wanted a residence, but something told me that Nancy and Dave Ramsey could be right. So I tagged along. We started going to the class, it changed the way I looked at money, and very soon I was a nerd of the relationship, and soon after the budget class I was crunching numbers and telling our money where it should go. Very soon I realized that we had spare money after the necessities, food, shelter, utilities, and we were planning for future expenses like insurance, repairs, clothing, and vacation. We were very quickly able to get control of our lifestyle. We realized we spent less on groceries than I had originally thought. Eating out was no more of a guilt trip because we had budgeted for it. We agreed on how much we could spend, um, and very soon, with all the focus, we cleared off our last credit card debt. It was a big relief. By the time we celebrated our second wedding anniversary, we had paid off all our 16 credit cards. And before our Financial Peace University class ended this May, we paid off our cars in full. The sense of achievement was really great, and I now feel we have control over our money. One last hurdle is this dreaded student loan, and we are on full attack mode with this one. Though we are still trying to perfect the plan, we are three months close to being totally debt-free. Hopefully by this time next year, we will have saved up considerably for a, ho- a down payment in a house. This has really changed our lives and we no longer fight over money. Every month we do our budget, agree on plans, and follow what's on paper and on purpose. We hope to continue getting better at it and save a ton and give a ton. I thank God and Nancy for guiding and encouraging me. I now feel the same passion like Nancy to tell this to everyone, especially in a culture where being in debt is a norm and an acceptable way of life. The only regret I have is not to have started sooner.
2: What can I say? I don't know what it feels like to be debt-free yet, but I will soon. I first want to thank God for introducing his principles on a guy like Dave Ramsey and sharing it with America. I'm so glad to have these tools available to strengthen our marriage and change our family tree. I'm so pumped to let the whole world know that there is hope. So be focused, be accountable, and be debt-free.
1: What I want to say is that it's possible, and two years back I would have never imagined that this was um, I strongly encourage you to go to the class. It's not a microwave plan; it's more like a crock pot. It's a slow cooker, so uh, <laughs> it requires a lot of discipline and uh, a sacrifice. And I certainly feel that it's possible. So we'll be at the back of the uh, the resources table, and you can just come over and ask us questions if you need. Thank you, guys. So.
0: This guy's story is so amazing. And they are so fired up about Dave Ramsey that they went to a live event. This is in Texas somewhere? Dallas. Dallas. And they, like, I mean, look at these guys. You talk about me being a dork. I mean, can I say that? Um, anyway, that's beautiful. So thank you guys. They will be in the, in the back at that back table. We're doing a big sign-up. So thank you guys. We appreciate that very much. <laughs> I'll just uh, tie a bow on this thing by saying this. Um, Dennis said something in his testimony he said you know my only regret is that I didn't learn these principles sooner it's funny that he said that because among the 16 of us that piloted this course this summer the, the three-month financial peace university that was the unanimous consensus among the group was Why didn't we learn this stuff sooner? Actually, there was conversation that this should be, like, built in and taught in high schools and colleges. Like, you shouldn't be able to, like, live on your own until you have an understanding of these basic principles. So here's the thing, okay? Whether today you are in some debt and you're like, yes, I want to get out of that thing, or whether today you're just like, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not in debt, but I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I don't really have a plan. I don't have a good idea of how I'm going to pay for retirement or all these other things, and I don't really have a good understanding about a lot of financial stuff, maybe that's just where you are today. This class is absolutely fantastic, you guys, and you might be thinking, oh, man, you know, I can't, th- th- right now is not a good time because we're just coming back, and I've got, I've got a bunch of stuff going on, and, and we've got a, I don't know, you've got some stuff planned, you've got trips going on, you're like, you're like I, this isn't the time for me to hunker down and try and figure out financial stuff. I just got to tell you, there's never a good time for this stuff, okay? Today is the day. Today is the day. I want to encourage you to take a step. So after the service, and we're, we're, um, we're not going to do a final song. We're just going to encourage you to go and sign up in the back. It's not this Thursday night, but it's the following Thursday. We're 13 weeks on Thursday nights. It's going to take you by before Christmas. You will have gone through Financial Peace University, and maybe for the first time will really feel like you've got peace when you think about your finances. What a cool thought that would be. The class is $100, and we just that's only what we're charged for the materials. We don't, we don't put any fee in there. We don't build anything in. Um, and that translates to about $8 per lesson. Okay. About $8 a lesson. It's done in small group format. Um, if you're here and you're like, I don't have that kind of cash, uh, we will work with you. So, you know, buy now, pay later. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to do 90 days save us cash, baby. Woo. No, we're, we're, we we, legitimately will work Like you. Won't have to pay anything. You know what I mean? We can work it out. Um, so anyway, I encourage you to really think and pray about, um, about whether that could be something that you could do. It will change your life. And I believe that if you get in a position like this where you can get free or you can get at peace, that you'll be more able to really serve God and follow after God where God leads you. And that's ultimately what it's about. So I'm going to say a final prayer here, and uh, we're going to just invite the team to come up. We'll dismiss you. So if you guys would pray with me. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for, uh, for what your word says about money. And, uh, and Lord, uh, my prayer is for everyone in this room, Lord, that you would set us free. Uh, if we are in bondage uh, to debt, if we're a slave to our lenders, God, that you would help us to, to get free of that. Lord, if we just don't have peace, if we're living paycheck to paycheck, if we don't have a good plan, we're not feeling good about it, I pray, Lord, that, that uh, you would help all of us to develop a game plan. And, uh, and, to, and to carry it out so we'd be more able to follow you. Uh, Lord, um, help us to just be in tune with those things that, that battle against us and, and these messages that are spoken, God, that, that can, can kind of convince us of one thing that maybe isn't as true, it's definitely not as true as what you lay out in your word. So help us to be disciplined and to come up with a plan and to work hard and uh, just to put these things in motion, God, um, so that ultimately we'd be more effective for you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray.